Welcome to My Happy Thyroid, your source for all things thyroid health and wellness. My Happy Thyroid is presented by Paloma Health, the first online medical practice focused on living well with hypothyroidism. Hello, welcome, welcome. I am super excited to have you here, Mary, today. How are you? I'm doing great, Marina. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. <laughs> it's a great day. Um, welcome, everyone, to the My Happy Thyroid podcast, where we talk about um, all things that are thyroid and hormone related. Um, we're brought to you by Paloma Health, um, the first virtual medical practice that's focused on improving thyroid health um, for the millions of women and men who um, suffer from thyroid conditions. And today I'm so thrilled to have Mary Showman um, on with us to have a conversation. So welcome, Mary. I just want to tell folks um, a little bit about your background first before we dig in, and because it's such an honor really to have you here. Um, you've dedicated your career for over 20 years to being a patient advocate. You're also a New York Times bestselling author, a communications consultant, your mother, um, and you've transformed your own thyroid disease struggle into an advocacy campaign on behalf of patients. Um, and you help countless of patients sort of navigate their condition and feel better over time. Um, now, I know you have your own story with thyroid conditions, so I want to hear about that. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Sure. But I love, um, I just want to share that you really cut through the jargon um, out there, the medical jargon and some of the confusion around thyroid health. They're out there and make things really digestible for your for the folks that you help. And you've written a number of best-selling books. So you've written Living Well with Hypothyroidism, What Your Doctor Doesn't Tell You That You Need to Know. That was your first book? Uh, that was the first uh, thyroid book, yes. And yeah. we've written other books before that. That's, yeah. that's awesome. That was in 2000 by HarperCollins. And that's gone on to do more than 20 printings. I think it's translated in like every language and, <laughs> um, and all that. And then you also wrote a best-selling book um, called The Thyroid Diet. Uh, manage your metabolism for weight, lasting weight loss in 2004, which is so important. So maybe we can chat a little bit about how that came about. Sure. And I think your some of your latest work is hair loss master plan, which is I can't tell you how many times I hear patients complain about. Oh yeah. That and how there's yeah. such you know so very little kind of out there to help. So that is super interesting. We can we can dive in on that a little bit too. And you also very importantly wrote a book about your healthy pregnancy or one's healthy pregnancy with thyroid disease, with hypothyroid moms, Dana Trentini, right. and you guys both have um, a lot of great insight there. And that book I know has um, changed and helped so many people's lives um, conceive and, and uh, create families, which is so wonderful. Yeah. Um, you've written a number of other books um, and we can go on and on. So those, those are awesome. And I know you've been featured on like hundreds of television shows and newspaper and radio articles and um, are really quoted in the media frequently as a, as a thyroid and hormone health expert. So mm -hmm. we're just so lucky to have you and we've done a little bit of work together. We look forward to doing so much more. Definitely. Over time. Um, so I, you know, wanted just to start like way before all of this great thyroid work that you've been doing and just like get a sense for like where did you where did you grow up did you grow up in the dc area where you no i actually grew up in westchester county right outside of new york city oh cool okay yeah coast and awesome. east coast and uh small uh small neighborhood right in uh heart of westchester and <laughs> um went to grammar school and high school there 
And uh, then I ended up coming down to the DC area to go to college at Georgetown cool. uh, University. So went to the School of Foreign Service there, thought I was going to become a foreign service officer yeah. uh, at the time. And then uh, after I finished at Georgetown, did a sort of shift in direction and ended up moving more into communications and outreach and ended up working in advertising, um, marketing, public relations, communications for international types of programs and then government agencies. And uh, uh, all, of, all of this was going on up until the point when my thyroid went haywire. And then I had a big shift in my career path. Okay, so we're going to hear about that. So you mean you didn't graduate college and think you were going to become a thyroid health advocate? <laughs> no, no, no. I did not sit around when I was a little kid saying, when I grow up, I want to be a thyroid health advocate. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a thyroid problem as yeah. a child or teenager or even as a young adult. So uh, it wasn't on my radar at all. Sure. Health issues were really not much on my radar except for the normal childhood experiences and the things yeah. that you go through as a kid. Yeah, uh, illnesses and things like that, but I didn't have any chronic diseases, so it was new to me when that showed up. What, was any of your family in medicine or healthcare growing up? Not, not really. My, I had a grandmother who was a nurse, yeah. but um, she had, uh, you know, I she wasn't around very much when I was little because she uh, she left us far too soon. So there really, it was not a family of healthcare workers or yeah. healthcare focus for the most part. So what did your was, parents do? Uh, my dad worked for American Airlines um, as a uh, director of purchasing, and my mom was, a, she was actually a hospital administrator, but she was the HR director. Yeah. So it wasn't really the healthcare business, it was more the, uh, the HR business. Yeah, how interesting. Um, and so you went on to do advertising and um, worked in all these different industries, and then right. you started having noticing some things. Um, so tell us more about what happened then. Well, it was an interesting time because I had just gotten engaged to be married and I was just around 30, 31 years old. And I was going to get my dress fittings and I uh, had picked out a dress and, you know, I was feeling kind of tired and draggy, but I thought, okay, I'm planning a wedding. Um, you know, busy working. I've got lots of things to do, social life, all this kind of thing. I'm running and running and going nonstop. Um, I had never had a weight problem in my life. Um, I was like a size six, size eight my whole life without ever thinking about it. And all of a sudden I'm going in every time I go to get a dress fitting, the dress needs to be let out. And I thought, wait a minute, something's not right here. And, um, I went for three fittings and it got let out three sizes, which is horrifying as a bride. I mean, you know, that's the last thing in the yeah. world that you want. And I was also feeling kind of depressed and kind of tired and kind of draggy. And I thought, uh, something's not right. So I went to the doctor maybe two times over the course of about a five month period. And the first time she said, oh, you know, it's probably just stress and sleep some more and here, take some vitamins and things. She was a good holistic doctor. Mm -hmm. And then the second time I went in, maybe about a month later, she said, you know, I'm going to check your thyroid. Something sounds off. So she ran a complete thyroid panel, which Great. was good because in those days, you know, yeah. even today, you're not likely to get a complete panel. You might yes. just get a TSH test. She did a full panel. Great. But as was typical and as still is typical, I got a phone call from 
the doctor's office had said, oh, Dr. Kate found your thyroid's a little bit low. We've called yep. in a prescription for you. Go pick it up. That's it. And that was all I knew. And this right. is before the days, you know, the earliest, earliest days of the internet. So it's about 1994, where everybody has their giant AOL discs to dial up and it takes half an hour to get online and things. So there wasn't the, the ready-made uh, panoply of information available for us to, t to get at our fingertips. So yeah. I'm, I've got a thyroid problem. I don't know really what it is. Yeah. Um, and I'm taking some medication and I'm not feeling better. I'm not losing weight. I'm not feeling more energetic. Nothing seems to be helping. So I what did said, you start right, on? So was it like just Synthroid? Uh, it was, yeah. I think it was just a Levoxyl or yeah. uh, not even Synthroid. I think it was Levoxyl or even a generic levothyroxine, but I know it was synthetic uh, T4. And I was just sort of mystified. So I started to try to do some research. I went to the library. I found one book about thyroid disease and it was you know, I always call it your thyroid, the most boring gland in your body by middle-aged man MD, because <laughs> it was like, it was downplaying how, you know, not important it really was. And it right. Was and how breeze. easy it is to treat. And Exactly. It was just like, this is just a breeze. Totally. I went and looked at articles. There wasn't much of anything in magazines, you know, so I ventured on to the internet and, you know, the wild west in those days and got on to uh, the databases for the National Library of Medicine and started doing oh. some reading. And I found in those days, we had those Usenet, Altnet, uh, yeah. the Usenet groups, which were the earliest kinds of forums for people to connect and talk to each other. Sure. So there was an Alt Support Thyroid Usenet group. Wow. And I got onto this group and I found out that there were a lot of other people that were in the same situation as me. And we were like, wait a minute, what's going on here? We're, yeah. we're taking these meds. It's not working something's not right. And then there were old timers, people that had been diagnosed in the 50s and 60s saying, you know, well, I'm still taking natural thyroid or I'm taking Thyrolar or I'm taking this or that. And we're hearing about other meds that we've never heard about. And it's all new information to most of us. So I'm the kind of person that I like to understand everything. So I started gathering everything I could find and I saw as new people got on, they got their AOL disc and got and found their way to us. We were having a constant influx of new thyroid patients. And so I put together an FAQ for the newbies. That was just, you know, if you have this issue, if you have this question, et cetera, you know, frequently asked questions and I would share it and send it out. And then people said, well, you should make, put it on a web page instead of reposting it constantly. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, how do you do that? So stayed up one night like 24 hours straight, you know, yeah. on the computer, da, 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 like a crazy person and learned how to code learned HTML or whatever. I learned yeah. HTML yeah. and put together a web page. Amazing. And that was like in 1995. So this is after you've been married. Uh, yes. I was just, I was just at the beginning of my marriage. Yeah. I think yeah. I had just been married. I'd been on thyroid medicine for mm -hmm. uh, maybe a year. And, uh, so I get on, I create this web page and I start sharing the web page. And fairly soon after that, then there were sites that started to develop and there was a, a little website that said, we're recruiting people for health related pages. We'll pay your internet bill for uh, uh, if you put together some information. So I said, well, I'm doing it already. I might as well. So I signed up with this company called The Mining Company. And very soon after that, The Mining Company changed its name to about.com. Oh. And they were then acquired by the New York Times. 
Uh-huh. And, you know, we went, we went uh, public, we went live. And uh, the next thing I knew, my website was getting, you know, a million hits a month. Insane. It, it was crazy. And, you know, it was funny because back in those days, all the editors at about.com were all like very young, 20 something, you know, living in Brooklyn, New York hipsters. They were, you know, hopped up on Red Bull and playing foosball all day in their offices. And they were like, yeah, nobody's going to care about thyroid. That's <laughs> going to be like, no, you know, who, who cares about it? And I said, I bet you people are going to care. And because they were young, they were healthy, they yeah. had no idea. And the next thing I knew, it was one of their top rated health sites and actually then became one of the top rated health sites on the internet. And um, for quite a long time was, was the top rated uh, thyroid related. Unbelievable. I, I mean, know. I completely understand how it works, uh, you know, how it could be such an important site. I just continue to be, uh, you know, it's mind boggling how the thyroid is still portrayed as this like boring, unimportant thing when really so many people care about it. Well, it's got such a bad rep. I mean, people just assume it's, you know, middle-aged women who are overweight and want to lose weight. And, you know, so it's just whiny, overweight women looking for an excuse for why they're fat. And it's, it, you know, it's so much less, so much more than that. And that, that so underplays the, the reality of what it really is for people. And, you know, I was talking to women from 16 years old to 85. So it was not just my demographic, which at that time was women in their 30s. It was women trying to get pregnant in their 20s. It was women in their 40s going through the early stages of perimenopause. It was women who were pregnant and struggling, women with infertility, um, and senior citizens who said, wait a minute, I'm 75 and I'm sharp as a tack, but I feel like I'm 100. What's going on with this? So um, it was just, it was a really interesting time in the world with, uh, for thyroid because uh, I had a lot of pushback from the endocrinologists. Oh yeah, and yeah, they, I imagine. They, they were not happy because they were very comfortable with patients that didn't ask questions, yes. didn't do research, and just accepted what they said as the gospel truth and went on their way. So it was here, you have a thyroid problem, take your thyroid medicine and come back in a year for yep. another test. Now, how did you and, hear from these endocrinologists? How did they get in touch with you? How did the, the oh, like- Oh my gosh. Well, there were, there were a couple that were just absolutely out of their minds. There was one that used to um, post on the alt support thyroid mm-hmm. and you know call me all sorts of, of uh, names I can't even use in polite public. Mm. Um, he was uh, terrified of he he was terrified of thyroid patients taking control of their own care. Um, I was stalked for seven years by another endocrinologist who created a fake Twitter account and sent out you know said I was a drug addict and that I was you know drug pusher. I mean said all kinds of crazy stuff until Twitter finally shut them down. Um, I uh, I've been sued by. Uh, chiropractors who uh, said that they um, they had solutions to cure thyroid issues, and I've been sued by them. Their suits were all thrown out of court because they had absolutely no merit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I have had endocrinologists uh, say all sorts of crazy things about about me, and I think one of my favorite favorite stories is there was a a meeting of the uh, American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists. 
and they were starting out the meeting. Everybody was there and the guy that was opening up the meeting, prominent MD endocrinologist. It was the time when the David Letterman top 10 lists were quite popular. And he started out the session and he said, okay, we're gonna get started everybody. And uh, to kick it, kick it off, I'm gonna do my David Letterman top 10 signs that you have a crazy thyroid patient walking into your office. And his number two, I can't remember what the number one top 10 sign was, but his number two top 10, 10 sign was, she walks in carrying a copy of Mary Showman's book. That's when <laughs> I knew I had made it because if the endocrinologists are opening up their meeting talking about my book, I'm having an impact because that means that patients are walking in with copies of my book and saying, why didn't you tell me this? Why aren't you helping me feel well? Why aren't you doing what I need to, to help me get well? And um, so that was really actually very affirming. I've had, a, I've had a, 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 an uneasy relationship with the endocrinology world for decades now, but that's okay by me because anytime you are trying, as we, as we see in the world today, anytime you challenge the establishment, or you challenge the status quo, there's people that are gonna come out fighting to try to keep things the way they are. The endocrinology world is no different. They do the same thing and they are notoriously slow to change mm -hmm. and adapt to new information. Mm -hmm. And um, so, uh, you know, the fact that patients now were getting information, knowing their options, asking for different choices, being empowered was a threat. And it's changing. It's changing, um, yes. for sure. And certainly, you know, we work with endocrinologists. We think not all endocrinologists have changed, but many have. And I think it's yeah. some of it is a testament to clearly the work that you've helped catalyze and the availability of other, you know, information that's more right. to the patients and that patients really did, you know, I think start to take care in many aspects into their own hands. And it has sort of forced the system, if you will, or many physicians to start to react to it rather than being more, um, rather than have to not do that. And I think it's been, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. But you know, the, the idea of the empowered and knowledgeable patient yeah. is it's not a unique to endocrinology either. No. We're seeing yeah. it across the board, across medicine. And it's also a function of, you know, HMOs and health insurance and the, the seven minute doctor visit and people being shuttled in and out very quickly. We don't have time with our doctors. We have to be our own. You know, I sometimes will say you have to be the CEO of your own health. That's right. Because nobody else is going to worry about your health the way you do. The days of the family doctor, the um, Marcus Welby, you know, who yeah. worries about you from cradle to grave is yeah. gone. You, you know, know, that's, yeah. It, and it's one of the things I think is like the most unfortunate around of, of the current healthcare system. There's so much innovation. There's so many breakthroughs and technology and research. Uh, but we forget sometimes that um, an important part of medicine is really the connection to the human being and the doctor knowing you. And like you said, you yeah. know, knowing you from your background and your family and talking to you about all the things that are in your life, not just the medicine right. you're taking and, and you know, your, your blood work, but like, how are you sleeping? How are you eating? What are you eating? And well, who's living in your house with you? And how's your relationship with exactly, that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And when it comes to something like thyroid, where the emotional symptoms, the mental health related symptoms, the cognitive symptoms, these are all things that are very difficult to measure. It's not going to come back on a blood test uh, chart with a flag that says high, low, normal. 
it, it requires some nuance. It requires some subtlety. It requires the art of medicine, not the science of medicine. And, you know, it, through no fault of their own, there simply isn't enough time for many doctors to practice that kind of art. They just don't have enough time, which yeah. is why, you know, I'm always advocating for people to to find and work with doctors, at least for their thyroid care, that know what they're doing, that are already up to speed, and doctors who are not going to rush through a five-minute visit where they're on the phone and texting and talking at you from the, from the door of the office, which is how a lot of people's doctor visits go. Definitely. Um, no, at, th at this point, you've you know, you've probably interviewed hundreds of patients, yeah. doctors, various practitioners. You do your own one-on-one -on -one coaching with patients to help them right. out. What do you think are some themes or maybe like common misconceptions that um, you feel are out there from a patient perspective that are sort of myths, if you will, around thyroid care and thyroid world that like have crystallized to you as like maybe top two or three things that you want to kind of share now that well, you- Really Honestly, I think one of the biggest myths is that everybody who's hypothyroid needs an endocrinologist. You really need someone who specializes in managing thyroid symptoms and managing thyroid care. So you need a doctor who knows better how to optimize your, your hypothyroidism treatment. And that may be an endocrinologist. There are some There's that some, are sure. very, very tuned in. But it may not be an endocrinologist. It may be a nurse practitioner. It may be an osteopathic physician or a holistic MD. So uh, sometimes it's, a, it's the physician assistant at your doctor's office that actually is really tuned in. Yeah, and there's different modalities that I think can, can meet different patients' needs super yes. well. Um, I think some endocrinologists, you know, they're definitely the experts, like you said, in the thyroid and the endocrine system. Um, right. So we, at least with Paloma, we definitely handpick the experts that we work with to right. meet, sort of, sort of be, I think one of the things that you've like sort of hit on is that all these practitioners have to be tuned in. They have, it's not just about like, kind of in a rote way, giving the same dose to everybody given their numbers. It's right. about really listening and uncovering and, and really hearing what's going on. And there's some small change can make a really big difference as because the thyroid is so sensitive and it's also, you know, the whole, yeah. whole system interplay with its with the, uh, with, it, with itself, with each other is right. something that requires someone that's really going to take their time and be tuned in. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, people, people want thyroid to be cookie cutter. They want it to be so easy. Yes. You know, if yeah. you have a prop here, take this, do that. What, you know, bing, 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 three, you know, three point plan. I'm all solved. And that's the thing. It's not that easy. The standard guidelines that a lot of doctors are sort of forced to follow, whether it's the medical society or their health insurance or an HMO are very limited. It's like, we're giving you 20 problems and we're only giving you two tools to fix them. Whereas when you're dealing with somebody who's actually tuned in and understands what they're doing, they, they realize they have many different medications at their disposal, different brands, different dosages, different combinations, as well as supplements and dietary changes and other issues that come into play. And it is a trial and error process. A lot, doctors are not always going to get it out of the gate. Even the best, most tuned in, smartest doctors are not going to be able to talk to you and say, 
aha, this is a breeze. You yeah. need to take this medicine at this dose and take yeah. this supplement and everything's going to be fine in four weeks. It's not like that. But a lot of doctors, they, either they don't have the knowledge or they don't have the time yeah. to do that that tweaking, that back and forth, that, yeah. hey, we need to look at your T3 levels and see, are you getting enough T3? Are you converting? Yeah. Are you uh, optimal? Is this causing you hypo or hyper symptoms? Yeah. How can we support you with diet or nutritional changes? Are you, is your lifestyle not supporting yeah. uh, good symptoms and things? I mean, one of the most common, uh, whenever I do um, thyroid workshops and teach thyroid workshops, I'll say to people, okay, everybody raise your hand if you're tired. Yes. And then I say, all right, everybody who is sleeping at least seven hours a night, bring your hands down Surprise. and every, and everybody keeps their hands up because nobody's sleeping seven or, or more hours a night. And I say, all right, every one of you who's right. tired and complaining, number one, I want you to start aiming towards at least seven hours a night because anything less than that is short sleeping and you're shortchanging your hormonal system. You're shortchanging your thyroid and you're not getting enough sleep. So all the thyroid medicine in the world isn't going to solve your problem if you're not getting the basic sleep you need. So people need to understand that it's a multidisciplinary process. Thyroid medicine, and for some people, yes, if they're borderline, mild hypo, thyroid, they got a few symptoms, they're a little out of sorts, they get on a thyroid medicine, a couple of weeks later, they say, I feel back to normal. Yeah. More power to them. I'm so happy for them, but that's not the standard experience of a lot of thyroid patients is we need time. We need some trial and error mm -hmm. and we need that support and relationship with a good practitioner who's going to work with us hand in hand so that we can find the thing, the, the, the medication that safely works best for us to relieve symptoms and get us feeling and living well. Yeah, totally. Um, any other big myths out there that you want to help? Uh, well, uh, the, there, the, I guess another big myth is just one that you'll see promulgated by everybody from the endocrinology societies to some of the very um, radical patient sites, which is that there is one medication or one brand of medication that is better for everyone. Every one of us is unique. And so people often say to me, what's the best thyroid medicine? And I say, the best thyroid medicine is the one that safely works best for you. And that may be a generic, it may be a brand name, it may be levothyroxine, it may be a synthetic T3 or like Cytomel or generic, it may be natural thyroid and of any one of the brands, you know, Nature Throid, West, uh, WP, Armor, et cetera. But the reality is you're going to have to find the one that works best for you. There's excipients, fillers, dyes, different ingredients, different formats. I mean, in levothyroxine, we have liquid, gel caps, uh, tablets. There's all different modalities. And finding the one that's going to work for you, best for you, is a trial and error process. Yep. And I have talked with people who are on every possible combination you can imagine that found that that was their their sweet spot, their perfect solution. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, everyone is so unique. They're, your thyroid is super sensitive. Your body's super sensitive. There have been like amazing things that, you know, in our practice, we've seen someone who's just has a slight sensitivity to an excipient and you switch it out right. beautifully. And that's such a small tweak and easy, but you do have to be 
on both sides, the, the provider has to be willing to go through and, and do that detective work and the patient has right. to be willing to work and do the changing and it, you know, sort of going on to the next thing. There is a bit of, there's a process to it too. And unfortunately we don't have the science yet to know, like for you, Mary, it's going to be this one that's going right. to be personalized. Right. But you know, and you, you hit on a point, I think that's really relevant for people to keep in mind too, that I think is important for thyroid patients to remember is that this process does require a certain degree of patience. Yeah. And, you know, we have to be patient patients, yeah. uh, so to speak, because it does take time. You start, a, even if you were lucky enough to right out of the gate, get on the right thyroid medicine at the right dose, it still could be four weeks to three months before you really start to feel the full results of it in your body and in your symptoms. And if you are doing some trial and error, you have to give it time to see, okay, is this working? Okay, and I gotta get rechecked and see what my blood levels are. And then we're gonna tweak the dose or add something or change something. And then we've got to see how I'm doing on that and then get rechecked again. It can take some time. Uh, so people need to keep in mind that it's not like taking an aspirin for a headache. You're right. not going to say, oh, I took my thyroid medicine today and now everything's yeah. gonna be back to normal. It can take time yeah. for things. To, it takes time to become hypothyroid. It takes time to become back into balance again. Yep, and conversely, like if you forget your thyroid hormone, doesn't mean you're gonna be like feeling hypothyroid that night uh, after, you know, so yes, it's a longer term. Right, exactly. Good education that I think, um, many people listening to you will, will, um, appreciate learning. Um, you know, um, other than perhaps being stalked in your career, <laughs> what are some of the other like most challenging things that you've had to fight for in terms of advocating for patients and getting the education out there around? <laughs> well, I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest issues was in two, in the late 2000, uh, around 2008, 2009, when, um, we faced a, uh, a major uh, uh, unavailability of some natural desiccated thyroid, and there were some threats at that time that the FDA was going to either pull natural thyroid off the market or, and or require it to go through yeah. the formal drug application process. Because uh, people don't always understand, but natural yeah. desiccated thyroid drugs are FDA-regulated but they are not FDA approved. They were on the market before the FDA even came on the scene. So these drugs, and they were essential. You couldn't pull them off the market and have them go through years of testing. So, and they had been in use safely for years. So the FDA said, all right, we're grandfathering them in and letting people continue to use them. And um, so we, there were, uh, you know, behind the scenes, there was a lot of discussion and the FDA was ready to start putting it on the list and basically saying, look, you can take levothyroxine and you're not going to die. So we can pull these drugs off and require them to go through review. And patients that were on natural thyroid were sure. furious and terrified. And so we mounted a major, major advocacy and communications effort. We were people were calling and writing the FDA. We were promoting information and people's knowledge. And um, they didn't want to deal with the hassle, so they put it on the back burner. And I mean, it's still, there's always still a possibility that it's going to come to the top because they're working their way through all these grandfathered drugs that were in existence in the, uh, you know, early part of the uh, 20th century. Yep. And eventually they may require most of them to go through 
a formal drug application process, but for now, their natural thyroid seems to be safe, mm -hmm. and um, it hasn't been uh, particular interest. Yeah. Although, I, you know, I always worry with, with drugs uh, like that, as it gets more of a market share, because it's coming back up again now, people are starting to use more natural thyroid, you worry then that the FDA will, will sort of, it'll get on the radar again. But <laughs> Um, that was a that was a serious issue because I was taking natural thyroid, and I didn't want it pulled off the market. And I certainly knew that a lot of my fellow patients didn't want that either. So that was another uh, another big challenge um, that I think we've had. And then you know, from for me on an individual level, the challenge I think for me is also is in talking with people who don't have health insurance, and they, you know, they're they're afraid because they, they know they have a thyroid problem. Some of them have lost their jobs or lost insurance. And this is going on long before the pandemic, but it's obviously even more of a crisis right now with the pandemic. But we have so many people that don't have insurance or have very, uh, you know, their insurance is very limited. Yeah. And so they can't really afford to go to a doctor. Who do they even go to to get properly diagnosed? And then you know, they'll say, look, I was on armor forever, but my doctor retired and then I lost my job. And yeah. where do I go to get, uh, to get natural thyroid anymore? I, 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 you know, I can't walk into a doc in the box, you know, and see, or a minute clinic or something. They're not going to help me. So people are really confused about what to do. And they're also frustrated about the costs of medications because, you know, you go to a pharmacy and you could pay $5, $20, $50 for the same medication and they're, you know, with or without insurance and copay cards and everything. There's a lot of confusion for people yeah. and they, they need, they need to know sort of where, where they can go to get uh, the right kinds of doctors without trial and error with 20 different doctors. And they need to know how to get information about how to get their prescriptions filled safely with the medication that works best for them and to be able to afford it. And so it's not breaking the bank, especially when things are tough economically. Yeah, we always try to help um, when we can, but it's one of those things that in a healthcare system is is uh, yeah, well, it be a problem, but it and, is. And that's why I'm that's why I'm excited about services like uh, like Paloma's, where we have uh, an opportunity for people in those areas. For you know, first of all, you can get testing at a very inexpensive cost. You're not going to pay. Uh, ridiculously high markups that some doctors are charging, or you're not going to pay. I mean, even insurance copay sometimes for for blood testing is absolutely insane. Um, if you're in states that are served uh, for telemed, you can actually get with a doctor right away yeah. who's, who's smart and knows what you, you're not going to have to educate them. They're going to be educating you. And, um, you know, we've got information and um, that's, it's one of my missions is to help people understand where can you get your thyroid meds for the least amount uh, without sacrificing quality of what you need and the meds you need. And so that's why I'm really excited about uh, the kinds of things that, uh, that Paloma is doing to help make testing and treatment available and affordable and why I'm also out there, you know, working on trying to educate people about their options and how to afford their medication uh, under the current systems that we yeah. have. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And that 
yeah, I think so. I think you've you've uh, clearly fa done a fantastic job. You've made it to the front lines of the doctors' meetings. You've been stalked. I mean, all signs of that. You've like clearly had an impact. You obviously, of course, have you know impacted so many patients' lives. You've shared in the past that you get baby photos of people who you know you've been able to help conceive. I mean, what better? Um, Those are my favorites. Yeah, Those are my favorites. Those babies. So, so like what's next? What do you see as next on the horizon for the improvement? As I think you're, you've sort of like brought the, the folks that you're able to impact up to speed on the options, yeah. definitely crack the sort of veneer of like what the medical community hasn't shared necessarily for, you know. I, I have a couple, I have a couple of things that I think are important to me. Number one is I, I do really want people to begin to understand and see the importance of a multidisciplinary approach to their thyroid. I mean, again, for a small percentage of people, taking the pill is, is all they have to do. They're not going to think about it much more than that. But for those of us with, a, with thyroid as a real true chronic health condition that we are living with and trying to manage and suffering from in some cases, um, I want people to begin to look beyond just that bottle of medication and look at their, what they eat how they uh, how they manage their stress, their movement in their sleep, their hydration, their supplementation, the toxins in their environment, all of the different things that have uh, an impact on thyroid health, but also frankly we're we're now understanding they have an impact on all our health issues across right. the board so that's one thing that I think is is going to be important. The other thing I really want to uh, to see people do is to recognize. And, and sort of get beyond the frustration with their insurance and their doctors and their plans and things that sometimes you have to jump out of what you're in in order to get what you need. Because people say, well, my health insurance is supposed to pay for this, so darn it, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, and they'll take an inferior treatment or an inferior doctor when for just a few pennies more or maybe not even, they might even save money, they can go outside their insurance or their HMO or whatever and get what they need that will work for them more quickly. But people are, they, they just, they, they have these boxes around it and they just don't think, they don't realize they can go outside the box to do things. And so I want people to understand that, you know, these are tools, they are not restrictions for us. Um, so that's another thing. I'm also very excited because I know that some of the drug companies are, researching some new forms yeah. of thyroid medication. I know there's, you know, T4, T3 combinations and time releasing, which yep. I think is going to be a big uh, game changer for a lot of patients. Yep. Um, there's also, you know, there, uh, we were talking about the endocrinologist sort of coming along and starting to get with the program. And I was so encouraged to see that, you know, the endocrine society and the thyroid association and stuff had did a survey not too long ago. And they found that the vast majority of their patients on levothyroxine weren't happy. And five they, out of 10, 12,000 yeah, patients. They exactly. Were and five out of 10. Yeah, and even they were shocked. You know, they were like, wait a minute. You know, we were expecting that these patients were, were going to tell us how, you know, fab, happy and fabulous everything was. And all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, it's not, uh, it's not working for us. And so I'm so excited to see that they are actually starting to acknowledge we have to do better for these patients. They're not happy on the standard, 
you know, cookie cutter, same old, same old treatment approach that we're, that we're giving people. And that's going to force them to think outside the box as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm really pleased to see them starting to assess those because honestly, 20 years ago, the idea of assessing thyroid patients as to whether they were happy with their treatment, <laughs> you know, it was like, they were like, who cares? Take yeah. your thyroid and go away and leave us alone. And now they're, they're saying, wait a minute, these patients aren't feeling well. And they're, they're not losing weight and their cholesterol is high and they're on antidepressants and cholesterol meds and, you know, something is missing. And that's something we've been yelling for 20 some years. So uh, better late than never. I'm glad to see them coming into an era where they're starting to recognize that the patient voice is important. We're always hearing about evidence-based medicine. And I, years ago, I said, what about patient-based medicine? What yep. about patient evidence? I've talked with thousands of patients. I know certain things. They may not be in the New England Journal of Medicine, but I know it as much of a fact as if it's published in a major medical journal because I've heard from thousands of people that anecdotal information, it may not be in a science journal, but it's just as valid. And so to, to listen to patients and to start taking patient voices into account is a tremendous positive movement in my mind. Totally, totally. And I think so many, you know, the work that you've done has helped move so many practitioners forward in that sense. And I think we're seeing a lot more focus on the patient, focus on what the patient's saying. Yeah. And evidence-based medicine is important, but it's not more important or differently important uh, than, than hearing from the patient, from patient-based medicine. I love that. And um, I think we'll start seeing a lot more innovation in the thyroid space, which I'm encouraged yeah. about as well. So that's awesome. I look forward to that. And I think we'll be, maybe we'll have, we'll have another podcast some, you know, sometime hopefully in the not too near future to talk about those things. Cause I can't wait for them to absolutely and uh, be able to, to deliver them to patients. So thank you so much, Mary. What a pleasure to chat today. Thank oh, it's been great, Marina. Thank you. And where can people find you if they have questions or they want to read more about what you're doing? Uh, they can find me on my website at mary-shoman, S-H-O-M-O-N.com. And I'm also on Facebook at Thyroid Support. And uh, my, uh, my funny named Twitter, which is Thyroid Mary. Thyroid Mary. Love it. All right. Thank you so much, Mary. It's such a pleasure. And we will talk soon. Have a Thanks. great one. Stay safe, please. Thanks, Marina.